You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate. I am your host, Michael Kushner, and I, uh, okay, I'm, uh, this, this episode is being recorded in the height of two pandemics. Um, I was really excited uh, when um, coronavirus hit and I was figuring out how to do work from my own home and my studio and how life changed so drastically. So I got a little um, slap happy with uh, with asking guests to be on Dear Multi-Ifinite. So I'm, I, I've recorded um, months in advance, <laughs> but... Um, I am now acknowledging the fact that uh, we are in the middle of two pandemics, one being coronavirus and one being uh, racism. And uh, I am now taking the back seat and un- and unlearning to relearn. And I uh, and I have a new friend in my life uh, who I'm going to introduce soon, who is doing work that I am so enamored by uh he has come into my life recently and um i just wanted to talk with them about uh numerous different things um but before we get into that i do want uh to say that right now on my instagram i'm giving space and lending energy to the queer by poc community um, by extending a project that I did with uh, a young woman by the name of China, who I met at Covenant House, she came up with this amazing project called I Am Worth It. And uh, I've talked about this before, but she um, shared with us the the project at the last stage and screen sleep out with Covenant House in August. And she, the photo project is to de- um, destigmatize homeless youth. And she just needed a photographer. And of course I volunteered my time. And then the next month we worked together. She directed me, came up with all the art direction, told me what to do, got her friends involved, created the whole movement. And um, I didn't want it to end just there. So with Covenant House, I asked their permission and China's permission if we can extend it a little more and come up with in addition, that would combine the original meaning of pride with the pressing importance of Black Lives Matter. So for the month of June, uh, every day I will be post, I am posting a photo uh, of some lovely artists that joined me in the park or over FaceTime uh, and sharing the brilliance of I am worth it. Uh, a reminder, the subject has two, two parts that they have to include in this. And it's, I am, I am statements, how they see themselves, their brilliance. And then I am not statements, which is, um, there's some heavy hitters there. And I urge you to go to my Instagram at the Michael Kushner and check out the amazing art that uh, so many amazing 
people that I know and love and just getting to know and love are bringing forth. And I'm just uh, incredibly humbled that they would join me on this. So um, check it out. Let me know what you think. And now I'm going to introduce my new friend. They are a performer. They are an advocate. They are an activist. Dimitri Moyes. Hi. Hi. How are you? Thank you you for using, I'm great. Thanks for using they pronouns. I really appreciate that. This is the first time I'm on something where someone's using my they pronouns. Well, you're, you know, you're, um, of course, I'm, well, when we first worked with each other, that was during, that was worth, uh, that was with I Am Worth It. And, um, and I remember when you post, when you asked, when I posted the photos, you asked me, um, if I could use your pronouns. And so I, you know, it's identity is really, really important to me. So mm. I just wanted to make sure that you were seen and you were heard and, but you, and just, just for the record, you do go by he, they, those are your pronouns, correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, cool. Um, so, uh, thank you for, thank you. Th- thank you for being here. You're, thank um, you for having me. You of kidding? course. Of I'm excited. Yes. Yeah, so um, I open up every episode with the question. Well, I try to at least. I mean, I I I, I like to think that I'm a, a stickler for tradition, but then sometimes I get distracted. <laughs> I open up um, the episode with the question: What's the rose and thorn of your day? Mm. What is the rose of my day? Okay. Oh, you know what the rose of my day was. I went on a really lovely morning walk. I try something that I have been doing during this pandemic is spending more time with myself and outside. And, you know, we're not on subways. We're not, I'm not like taking Ubers or I'm, I'm just at home. So I've been walking a lot and trying to, trying to do a walk every morning before I start my work for the day. So I'd say that I had a good walk today. That was the rose. That's amazing. Yeah. I do this. I do the same thing. I walk sandwich in the morning, my puppy. Oh my gosh. And we have the same track and there's this one really, really beautiful building. I, I, I think my building is beautiful. I actually really love the building I live in, but there's this one building that we always walk past and you know, the mornings are cooler mm-hmm. and um, I always walk past that building and I, it always gives me a little jump start. It's ordained with flowers yeah with flowers and it's that old school New York sort of mm. a brownstone building. And I just, it always gives me a little. Oh, I love that. I kind of have the same thing there. I have a couple landmarks near me. Um, one of my favorite museums in the whole country is right around the corner for me. Oh. And I always try and walk past. There's an arts high school. It's just, it's a really, really great community. So I always try and walk by those spots and just remind myself like, huh, you're, you know, you're, you're, we're doing okay all things considered. So yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's amazing. So what is, what is the uh, museum that you live by? The museum of moving image. I've never been there. Have you never been there? We'll oh go my go. God, Michael, I know. you we'll must go. go. We'll go. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go. We'll go. We'll it's go. a date. It's a date. I love it. <laughs> yes. So um, tell me about your thorn. What's your thorn? Uh, I don't know. Racism. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the thorn. <laughs> yeah, that's it's a big thorn. Um, so that being said, you I shouldn't are, laugh at that. I'm so sorry. No, I. I but that's I can't thing. help but laugh, right? I there has to be levity at the same time, right? Mm, How do you I feel mean, about that? You know, I 
it's so difficult. Like, it's interesting to me to see to see so many people catch up to where we as Black people have been for so long, right? Like, even thinking just about the Broadway community and what's been going on on Broadway, you know, these are not new conversations for us as BIPOC people. We've been having these conversations for years. And so now to see all of these things kind of come to light and then so quickly, which is not something that any of us really expected. And then, of course, in the wake of what's going on in the in the world, in America, with, you know, Nina Pop, George Floyd, Tony McDade, Breonna Taylor, it's like event after event after event after event. And I kind of just have to tell myself, like, water off a duck's back because otherwise if I, like, let all of those feelings and all of those experiences actually affect me, you know, it can be really, it can be really soul crushing. Do you know what I mean? Like, the first two weeks of, like, after George Floyd's murder, I spent, like, two weeks on the couch. I could not get off the couch. Um, I intentionally closed myself off from everyone. I didn't answer phone calls didn't answer text messages. I even posted on social media, like, do not contact me. Like I normally like to, I normally welcome these discussions and conversations, which I do on a day-to-day basis, but I was like, do not effing call me. Um, And that lasted two weeks before I like found real strength to, I don't know, start feeling like I could live a normal life or like try and keep going despite all of the things that are going on. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so, uh, yes, it is. It has been a heavy, heavy time. And I, you are, you are an actor. We have mm-hmm. seen you. We have seen you do Book of Mormon. We've seen you do mm-hmm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. But now, in the wake of of what's happening in the world, there's a new hyphen that has been <laughs> added to your to your artistry. And and I think that based on what we've talked about, it's all, it's always been there, but now, now it's really being put sort of to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to the test and, mm-hmm. and that's advocacy and, um, and activism. So mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could tell me about how that's kind of been awakened in you and how you're, um, and how you're, uh, lending your voice to that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, in a way I've kind of like, I've always been passionate about advocacy. It's, it's like very, uh, very cliche, but I do derive energy from helping others. And it's something that I've just done my whole life. And my parents are, are from Haiti. I'm first generation born here in the States. And my parents worked so, so hard. My mom is at the United Nations. My dad works in cardiology. And, you know, when my dad got here, people, people looked at him as if he, you know, wasn't worth the spit off their shoes, like legitimately. My dad even still gets comments at at his office from other doctors and nurses like, oh, he gets paid too much. And why does, and like it, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a real thing. Um, my mom worked and worked to get at the UN and she's been there for, I think over 25 years now. And they, they've given me everything that me and my younger brother could have asked for and gave us the lives that they wished that they had when they were growing up. And so they instilled that notion of giving back in us from like a very, very young age. 
Um, I remember even graduating, graduating from high school and starting um, my first year at NYU. And like two months in, my mom was like, so you're going to donate to Chaminade, right? And I was like, mom, I just graduated. I'm not donating money. I don't, I'm 18 years old. She was like, they got you to NYU. So you have to get back to the school. Yeah. Like to her, it was like, it was like a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess that's kind of, um, that I, that's just been a part of my life. I, I went to NYU on a service scholarship, the Martin Luther King junior Dean scholarship. Cause I had done a lot of work in high school organizing and volunteering. And then in college, I continued doing, doing volunteer work. I worked, um, primarily with uh, populations uh, of individuals of different um, abilities. Project Keen is an amazing place in New York City that brings Saturday morning exercise to individuals um, with all sorts of uh, physical and mental disabilities. And uh, that was something that brought me so much joy. And then I started working as an actor. Um, I started in Book of Mormon. Like the day I graduated was my Broadway debut, which was like insane. Amazing. <laughs> it was like a full gag and a half. I, uh, I can't even, what a blessing. Um, <laughs> no legit. It was like a whirlwind of a day. Um, we'll talk about that on Broadway, my Broadway memory. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Cause I obviously, I obviously want to want to know everything about that, but it's, uh, Oh my God. Yeah. Obviously. Oh, there's a story. Um, I like jumped into like community service even when when I was on Broadway. I worked with Broadway Serves and and so anyway, all that to say is I've just been doing a lot of community service work and a lot of in my professional life grassroots organizing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the 2016 election happened. Yeah, and that was something that oh my God, like I can't even tell you the level of depression I felt after that election. And I it was one of those nights where it was one of those days where it was, I remember where I was. That it oh. was that sort of a day. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the funny, the funny thing about that is I was on tour for the whole year leading up to the election. And I like, I was working on a new project. And so I was able to leave the show I was working on. And I literally planned my my last day so that I could be back in New York to vote. And that whole year, every city we were in for every Hillary Kane sign I saw, um, we saw probably 25 Trump pen signs. And so kind of in my spirit, I was like, Oh my God. So I, anyway, after that election, I got to a point where I was like, I need to do something. Like, I can't just sit here. I can't just post on social media. I don't feel like I'm, I don't know, making a difference or I just want to feel like I'm doing something for someone out there, you know? Um, And around that time, a former colleague from NYU had reached out to me and he was talking about how he had this idea for a project he wanted to start. And the more we got to talking, um, we realized that we had a lot of similarities in what we wanted to do in terms of bringing art sustainability to young Black kids. Because the two of us, as Black men who are able to go to NYU and have um, and follow a really great educational path that allowed us to do really whatever we wanted, we wanted to, we wanted to do that for other young black kids, you know? And so that's where the first nonprofit I started was born. It's called Torch. And Torch is a nonprofit that focuses on 
teaching sustainability in the arts to young marginalized groups. So we've worked in the Bronx, uh, we've worked Lower East Side Boys and Girls Club, and now we have a hub in Houston where we work really closely with, yeah, we work really closely with the city and local governments and we provide grants to artists in Houston so that they're able to produce and develop their work. And we focus primarily on on young students of color. Um, No, I I wanna say this is unbelievable. And you know, even, BFA programs, right? They do not, it is not easy (laughs) for marginalized communities to be able to audition for them. Mm. You know know what I mean? It's absolutely there. The audition fees, the flights, the, um, I mean, the the coachings, like it's, it it is expensive to even even applying to the college. It's, it is, it's, it's, uh, there is inherent systemic racism built into even auditioning for BFA programs in colleges. Oh yeah, you're absolutely correct. And then, and then you can take that even one step further and, and say, right, like, Usually, and this is something that is, has been said to me even in school, it's like they only accept a certain number of people, of, of kids of color. Right. So like if you're in that pool, then you must be really good because they don't accept all of the black kids. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, and, and then yeah. there's also there's also the fact that like the word diversity, it's, it's to make it, what's an enriching experience. It's enriching for the white student to be yeah. surrounded by diversity. It doesn't necessarily make it an enriching experience for yeah. a black student. And it's, it's yeah. just, it's I, so insane. I know yeah, you're, I, I know. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm all the more grateful for my time at NYU because believe it or not, my entire faculty was black. Wow. And that was the first time college was the first time I saw a teacher who looked like me. I never had a teacher of color until I got to NYU and I started crying during orientation because I looked up on the stage at, we were at, we were in Kimmel. Um, doesn't matter. People don't know what, where Kimmel is. Um, we're in this auditorium and I look up and I see all of my teachers and they're all black. And I, in that moment I realized, wow, people who look like me are going to teach me mm. how to do this thing that I want to do in the world. Mm. And it was it was, it was one of the first times I realized the importance of my blackness, Oof. you know? Um, and so, yeah, you're right. Marginalized students don't get that. Even, even when we were working in the Bronx with Torch, we, we um, did some summer courses with the kids and we helped them with improv and we did some, like, they wanted some theatrical stuff and we were able to just be mentors to them. And the executive director of this, of this organization we worked with in the Bronx said, a black woman, she said, She pulled us aside and was like, you have no idea how happy it is to see two black men doing this work. She was like, I do not see black men around as mentors as, and that's not to say that black men aren't mentors or leaders because we are. It's just the, the, the lack of access, the, the barriers that are presented when you have obstacle after obstacle after obstacle and no matter what you do you can't get past eventually you're just going to give up and take whatever's comfortable yeah um and luckily my co-founder robert and i had the opportunity to really expand and become the leaders that we wanted to be and it was so important 
for that executive director. She was like, I, we want you to keep coming here because we need them to see that there are black men like you in the world because that is, that is our potential as people. But um, oftentimes society tells us otherwise. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, the, the work that we do outside of the theater is just important as mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and that outreach, it's like, I personally go, you know, I'm a New Yorker. I love being here. I, you know, I, I, I don't want to leave New York ever, but ultimately it's just like the election, right? It's like, we live in a little bubble and sure mm -hmm. New York is amazing and the best, but we have to be able to see our, see ourselves outside of it in order mm -hmm. for us to like get, some of the real work done, you know? Absolutely. You're so right about that. And I think that's the really important thing that yeah. a lot of people are missing. Um, I, I do some, I do some like leadership talks sometimes. And yeah. that's what you just said is what I tell to other people. I say, it's really important to learn how to let things go. Yeah. Um, because I feel very often we, we put our projections of what we think other people will say or react or be like. Um, and our projections of other people have no bearing on who that person is, mm -hmm. what they identify as, what they do. That's just our, our perception. So we have to be able to let that go and accept the human for that human and their identities and what makes them them. Yeah. Not what you perceive them or want them or try and mold them to be. And it's, and I'm trying to be the best ally that I can be in this moment. And when someone asks me how I am, I ultimately, the response that I usually say is I'm uncomfortable and rightfully so it's, 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 it's my time to be uncomfortable and to listen and to engage and to not deflect and not be defensive, but generally just genuinely just be open to understanding how I can just be a better ally and taking initiative for where I've slacked in the past and, yeah. and just how I can be better. And, yeah. um, and it's just, it, it's, it's, it's a really interesting time right now. And I'm of course grateful to be able to learn, but I, um, I just, I, there's so much pain and that just, I'm going to be honest, it just makes me sad. <laughs> you know, mm. it just makes me sad that there's so much pain happening right now. And I've contributed to that. But it's important that you're, you know, um, give yourself some credit. You're, you're doing, <laughs> I know. You know what I mean? like, you're I doing know. the work to, to unlearn and, and relearn and, yeah. and, and amplify platforms. So I think you can give yourself some credit, boo. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, if you haven't, um, and for anyone who's listening, um, one of my one of my friends, uh, uh, he puts these videos on Instagram. They're they're so great, to, uh, talking about blackness and how to be an ally. And his name's Brandon Good, um, mm -hmm. Brandon K. Good on Instagram, and he talks about this one video in particular, being a good ally. Be versus being an effective ally. Okay. And talks about the difference between both. And I think it's a really interesting, um, it's, it's just a great analysis on like, there are ways that you can be a good ally to me, but here's how you can actually affect change and be an effective ally in this fight. And 
I feel like what you're doing, Michael, like, I feel like you're being an effective ally, you know? Well, thank you. That's, that's very kind of you. I just, um, I, I'm just sitting in the uncomfortability of it and just understanding that no matter what I say is going to people, it will, some people will support Mm -hmm. it and other people won't. Mm-hmm. Like what I have, no matter what, you know, mm-hmm. some people perceive something as performative mm-hmm. um, allyship. And and I just have to kind of continue to lend energy and create space for, yeah. for this. Um, but you are lending energy and creating space in a huge way right now. You mm-hmm. um, are involved in an organization called Claim Our Space Now. Yes, I am. So can you talk to me about Claim Our Space Now? Yeah, sure. Okay, so you know, uh, in the wake <laughs> of everything, it's just like it, it's it's funny to talk about this because it's something that I'm so passionate about. But it was born out of so much pain and yeah. and sadness and trauma. So it's like this weird dichotomous feeling. But I get a phone call a couple of weeks ago from one of my colleagues um, who I worked on Beautiful with, Marla Luisan. Hey, girl. Um, <laughs> and she calls me, and we start talking about. This was right after George Floyd and we're just in a lot of pain and she is unsure of what to do, where to go. Kind of like where I was back in 2016. And, and she tells me, you know, I have this idea and I just wish that we could bring all of our voices together and save black lives because this is going to take everyone and starts talking about this, this vision she has and building an intersectional coalition and, and working to make change and all these things. And as Marla's going, I think, wow, this is a really good idea. And to be honest, I realized, and, and this is something that's not new information, the reason why a lot of these movements have disunity, the reason why I, and I, and I say this, like, Black Lives obviously matter, duh, but there's disunity in the Black Lives Matter movement because when, when we say Black Lives Matter, really what we're saying is certain Black Lives Matter. We're not saying all Black Lives Matter. And seeing, seeing the damage being done to our Black trans brothers and sisters and siblings, it's just un, it's uncalled for. And, and so when Marla was talking about, you know, really creating something intersectional, it made me think a lot about my, my community, my people who are forgotten in a lot of these fights. And I said, you know, this can be something that we, we can make a little project or we can really build this into something more substantial. And as we started to form and form and shape it, it became what is now Claim Our Space Now. And our vision is to embolden urgent action to dismantle white supremacy and save Black lives. I love it. Um, I, you know, I want to ask you questions about, for you, sort Mm. of what it was like in the theme of multi-hyphenating as well what for you how did you respond to this call to action what what kicked into gear what um sort of proficiencies or skills did you rely on in order to uh make your impact in in, in getting involved and um and and figuring out your voice within claim our space now because um on top of a pandemic, <laughs> you know, just when we're trying to get our, our lives uh, in order and dealing with unemployment and figuring out when our next gig is going to come. Yeah. Now 
there's a collective effort for change. So how did you as an artist and a person and both, you know, intertwining with each other, uh, tell me about that process and tell me Hmm. what kicked into gear. Wow. That's a really good question. (laughs) And no, well, it's funny that you asked that because so I I'm chair, I'm chair of the board, um, as well Mm -hmm. as co-founder with Marla. And, um, it's funny. I have yet to chair something in this way, but when I think about all the work that I've done, the boards that I sit on, um, you know, starting torch, like I realized, Oh, you actually have a lot of these skills just like right at your disposal. Yeah. All you have to do is just take one step at a time. So I would say for me, one of the things that definitely kicked into gear would be my project management skills and organization, because I knew that if this was something that we wanted to do and really turn into an organization and, and mind you, like at this point we were already receiving funds. People were just like, where do I send money? And we, and we had, we had money just sitting around and, and we were like, okay, what should we do? And I said, all right, well, if, if this is what is happening, then, you know, we've got to file this. We have to incorporate this way. And I kind of just like talked everyone through the steps of, of what it takes to, to file and form a nonprofit, which I've already gone through. Right. Um, I would say, and this is something that I'm still learning, <laughs> definitely how to do delegating. I think yeah. delegating is something that is so necessary. Um, having a coalition and having a team uh, and a team that is open in their dialogue and communication and how to, and their delegation is completely, completely necessary in order to make, make it work, you know? Right. Um, I think we're so used to living in this, well, not anymore because of COVID, but before pre COVID this like rat raced um, audition, 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 grind, 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 hustle, 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 me, me, me. Um, instead of thinking about how can I uplift the people around me, or if I see someone struggling and if they can only handle 40%, what of the 60% can I, can I take? And if I can't take all of that, maybe there's someone next to me who can grab 15% from me and then we can help that person, you know? And I think that's what, um, I really am trying to instill in our entire board and in our coalition is that, you know, don't be afraid to say, I need to take a break. I need to step away. Um, don't be afraid to tell me how much gas is in your tank. Like if you don't have a hundred percent, I don't want you to act like you have a hundred percent. Tell me how much percentage you have and then let us divvy out the rest. Like that's what we do. And I think as a leader, it's incredibly important to acknowledge that in the people you're working with. I think people come first for me, um, in anything that I do, um, the work comes next because I just expect the work to be fan. I just expect the work to be good, you know? Um, but I care about, good. it has to be good. It has to be good. It has um, to be good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, here, my, my teacher. Let's see how good. I know. <laughs> June is listening out alone. <laughs> 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 yes. Uh, <laughs> you got that. Um, duh. Um, duh. um I, I literally think of my, um, so Ken Gash is a fantastic director. He's the head of my program. Um, literally, he would say, you know, you know, the work, the work must be good. It must be good. Are you oh. hitting the notes or are you singing the song? Legend. Literally. 
literally he's a legend but it's true i mean and, it's, that, yeah, yeah. and that goes into anything you do right it's mm-hmm. like are you just going through the motions mm-hmm. or are you doing the work mm-hmm. and just going through the motions will will make a person want to retreat will make a person want to be involved less and obviously that's not what we want in this coalition we want us all to be united all to be um working at this together and so if one of us is down, then it's it's my responsibility as a leader to um, to acknowledge that and see that and um, find a way in the best way I know how to lift that person up and make sure that we're not leaving them behind. You know, I just want to revert back to uh, something that you said that delegating is not your strong suit, <laughs> and and I talk and I and I talk in. <laughs> I talk in workshops when I teach. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's really funny. <laughs> well, well, there are things that, you know, as producers, as activists, as organizers that, you know, our, those are our proficiencies. And then I talk about this in workshops. What is the difference, difference between a difference? Cool. What is the difference <laughs> between a proficiency and a skill? you know, yeah. and the thing, and, and your proficiency in this case would be advocacy and your and the skill would be um you know communication people skills mm. and, and and delegating so it's I like, like that yeah so like things yeah of course need work i'm not i'm a producer but i'm not good at money managing mm-hmm. like like when i see numbers i go cross-eyed you know what oh i mean oh my god honestly and, ditto <laughs> yeah and like- so I know. I'm just like, I need someone else to look over this. And so, you know, but it only enhances what sort of a producer I want to be and the sort of tasks that I want to, you know, take on. So, and that's something that you just sort of learn as you go, but the, the meat and potatoes that you're talking about, you know, that's, that's really what goes into the work that we do. Cynthia Anderson, who's a guest on uh, an episode uh, a few, uh, eh, a few weeks ago, uh, everything's a few weeks ago, I know, um, I know. you know, who knows, but I don't um, even know what date is today. I know. Right. <laughs> Cynthia, Cynthia, um, Henderson is a, is my professor at Ithaca college. And she is the reason for the season for me. Mm. Um, I have two women of color in my life that are the reason why I'm here. And that's Elena Garcia, who's a guest on this podcast as well. And Cynthia Henderson, who's also a guest on this podcast as well. And Cynthia always asks the question, what is the why of it all? Mm. What is the why of it all? Every time you open your mouth, every time you say anything, every time you do anything, any sort of muscular energy, what is the why of it all? And you know, the why of it all, you know, and I You're absolutely right. You know the why of it all. And also something that she she uh, brought forth to me freshman year was that I had a really, really severe self-focused energy that anytime I stood up on stage, it was all about me and not about the scene partner, not about the other. But that has transformed, that whole idea has transformed into just as, and that is the second step of why. It's, it's why are you doing it and how does it affect the other? Mm, yeah. And, and you, my friend, you have answered those questions, you know? know. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't, 
You do. You have. You do. You do. And it shows in the work that you do in the advocacy work, you know, in the activist work. And it's, you know, I, I it, it's present. It's present there. And then so what? Maybe your delegating skills might need work, but the why of it all is there. Your intention is there. And as long as you have a good, clean intention, then in my opinion, you, you can't go wrong. You know? oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Um, I, I say this to everyone, you know, because we are tackling a lot as an organization, right? Like yeah. we we galvanized thousands of people around the country for Breonna Taylor. We got the Nederlanders to donate $50,000 to Black Lives Matter. We, you know, had an event last night with um, a colleague of mine from the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Our launch event features Rosemary Ketchum, who is the first openly trans-elected official in West Virginia. So we're doing a lot of things. But what I say to everyone is, whatever we do, it always has to track back to our mission. And our mission is dismantling white supremacy and saving Black lives. So if that thing that you want to work on or you want to bring to us or project, et cetera, is that mission actively working to protect and save Black lives? Yes or no? And if so, then great, let's like dive deeper. But if it's not, then we have to look at it and perhaps it may not align with what we're trying to get done. And, um, and that's a really important thing to be able to discern. Um, one, of, one, of the, one of the, you know, it's interesting with, with, the, with the HIV AIDS movement, for example, mm-hmm. um, ACT UP split up, split, um, because there were, there were differences in, in where the activists in the 90s, um, late 80s, early 90s. Some people wanted to really go for clinical trials testing, which which has led us to the HIV drugs that we have today, and others didn't. And some people wanted to work on these issues and these issues for this community. And it became this like broad, misunderstood fight because people were trying to layer all of these different things when the purpose of this is to end the HIV epidemic. That's what we're here to do, you know? But like, that's what's so beautiful about activism is that I think there's space for all of it. Right. You know, like I, I welcome, I welcome people who are, are doing incredible work in the world, but seeing things in a different lens than I see. Um, Some people don't think that the work should be intersectional. I may disagree with that, but I think that there's still space for that person in the movement. I think mm-hmm. their perspective matters, you know? Um, and without all of these perspectives, without the diversity and the way people view the world, how can we arrive at a place that can really be beneficial for all people? You know, like, it, I, I think it's a good thing that we have all of these different perspectives. It gets us to think differently. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> I think that's good delegating. <laughs> you, you, I just Did feel I just like <laughs> I think oh so. <laughs> well, I, I feel like everyone tells me on the board, they're like, give us things to do. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so yeah. that's, why, that's why I feel like maybe I'm not the best, but I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I do think that was pretty good delegating just because <laughs> you, you saw, you literally told, you literally were just explaining to me that like, Basically, if you have uh, an idea, you should do it as long as it 
reverts back to our why, and that is literally yes. delegating. Yes. So That's... I think you're a fine <laughs> delegator. <laughs> oh my god! Wow, did we just solve this whole problem for me in in an episode, in a podcast yeah. episode? You know, magic happens on Dear Multi Hyphenate. So <laughs> thank you, Dear Multi Hyphenate. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh my god, I literally cannot tongue pop. I get like two out of ten. Ah. Now is the the odds are in your favor. Wait, hold on. Uh, no, it's a little baby one. It was a little baby. <laughs> a little baby. <laughs> it was a little baby tongue pop. Some sometimes, sometimes I like get it. It's like a two out of ten yes, for me as yes. well. But sometimes I'm not. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not an Alyssa Edwards. I'm not like a no. She like dislocates her jaw. Speaking of, did you watch on Friday? Yeah, duh. Of course. I might okay. The funny thing about this is Did she like, throw that? She threw that lip sync. I think so. Um, but I mean, I think the the whole structure is bizarre to me, regardless. <laughs> I think like, first of all, even if Alyssa like tries to throw a lip sync, it's still so good. And like obviously, like I'm dead over the fact that Shay Kale just got twenty thousand dollars. You know I what I mean? Actually can't with that. It's so good. But um, but really, um, the the whole structure of this season is bizarre to me. I, like listening to Rue explain the um the uh oh, like spoilers, by the way. But also like um It's also been it's past it's past Sunday. It's We're it's, it's I, Wednesday I give, now. I give you the weekend. That's it. Yeah. One day it's time to talk. Yeah. But um the structure, like listening to Rue explain it, she's like, oh, and then what you'll do is you will go behind this curtain and you will vote while <laughs> the other person might win the lip sync. And if they do, you and you're just like, what is happening? This is so weird. I think... I'm sorry, go for it. No, I was going to say, you know they needed to have some new plot survivor twist so that people could still watch. This is like Survivor meets Big Brother meets like (laughs) Drag Race meets randomly like Love It or List It because why are they interior designing apartments? Like what is going on? I have literally no idea. But what I think that they should do is that they should not do eliminations. They should still do the lip sync. Listen to me. I your face. Okay, they should not. Do if you go, if you all can see my face right now, <laughs> I know. So I know it just went, huh? So um, so no eliminations. Mm-hmm. But what they do is they still do the lip syncs at the end of every episode for the cash tip. This is for all stars only. But they keep everyone the whole season. And if they're worried about drama, mm-hmm. if they're worried about drama, imagine having having everyone under the same roof for you know, 10 weeks. Wow. So, uh, the, you know, it'll come. But then how do you know who wins? Right. So there should be a scoreboard that is hidden from the Queens, but only the audience sees like the scoring. And then, but there are some like things that they'll throw in. And then when it's the finale, the top three will be announced and they will compete. So like no one knows if they're like the top three or how well they're doing or like they just know winning. So, um, I mean, it could like cause like some, it could cause some good TV. That's interesting. I know. And then that way everyone can participate in different, um, in different challenges and we could really see who's good. Like, because people get eliminated and then there's like, you know, um, 
you know, Soju from season 11 could have been really good at six of the challenges. Do you think that? No, I don't. <laughs> oh my I God. So you, the first person. Love you, love you, Soju. Love but you so I don't know about that. that. <laughs> an all stars, like prove us wrong in all stars. But I just, you know what I mean. I think that eliminations are some they don't work in in competitors' favor just because um, we all have bad days. We all have days mm-hmm. where we, where we mess up, and and unfortunately, sometimes it's the first day on the job. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean. And yeah. I would like to see everyone compete at the same time and see what happens. That's interesting. I don't think there's any reality show where that happens. I don't think there is either. And, it, and, it, and uh, maybe maybe British Bake Off. I don't watch British Bake Off like no. everyone. Does oh. every do people get eliminated? Oh yes. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. Well, Bake Off is Bake Off is. Um, oh man, Bake Off is. I think the best TV show out there. I think, I think it's the best TV show out there. It's Remy and I are obsessed with it. Obsessed with it. I've only seen a few episodes. I need to, I need to get on the queue. Now's the time to revisit because it's, it's, it's full of, it's so full of love. It's so joyous. And it's like, Oh my God. Um, No spoilers, but Nadia is, uh, she's become a British icon wow. and she has her own TV show now, but she is just like watching her journey in that show. It's just like actually brilliant. It's, it's brilliant. And your heart just sort of grows 10 times just watching that show. It's an amazing show. Wow. That's so beautiful. Yeah. I, I, I've always known it's like the best show ever. I just haven't yeah. like, it's amazing a minute to like sit and watch it all. So Dimitri, we have to, unfortunately, we have to wrap, but uh, I know. I could um, talk to you forever. What'd you say? I could talk to you forever. Well, it's a good thing that we're uh, collaborating on a book uh, <laughs> series in the fall, so you're going to be talking to me forever. Uh, I'm so excited that you're you're joining. More on that later. But um, but yeah. So I, you know, I'm so glad that you came on uh, on the show and talked about <clears throat> and talked about call to action and understanding like when it is time to act and understanding how to include your skills and your proficiencies into something that is going to affect change. And you can always act. You're never, you're never too big. You never have too many followers, too little followers. There's always something you can do. What's really interesting about what you just said is the fact that the conversation of multi-hyphenating is that, People, people, when I was starting out, people have told me that I was not allowed to do that. But I look mm. at so many different celebrities, people that have reached the, the top of the field, and they are all producing. They are all um, do advocacy work. They are all directing certain oh, yeah. episodes of their season. I'm like, they're doing it. Why can't I? I'm just going to start. I'm going to start it out that way. So you know, this is a perfect example of when to, when to get up off of that chair to stop Mm. thinking, actually act. And you're a perfect example of that when you feel moved from personal experience and, uh, and from just having the incredible heart that you do to, um, just be the, just an incredibly inspiring artist. And I'm so glad that you've come into my life. 
Oh, you're gonna make me cry. I'm so glad you're in my life. Hey, <laughs> yeah. together. We're together. friends. Dimitri, where can we find you on social media? Yes, um, you can find me on Instagram at Dimitri, D-I-M-I-T-R-I-M-O-I-S-E official. Dimitri Moise official. Perfect. Um, yeah, and then I'm on Facebook, Dimitri Joseph Moise. Great. And can we, um, is there oh, any- Claim our space. Yeah. <laughs> Claim Our Space Now um, on Instagram at Claim yeah. Our Space Now. And on Friday, we're launching. And you can find our website on Friday at claimourspacenow.org. Mazel. Um, you are amazing. Oh, you are. And, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you so yes. much for thank you so much for joining. And my fabulous listeners, thank you so much for listening to this amazing episode. Um Always, if you have questions, comments, concerns, please reach out on Instagram at the Michael Kushner at Dear Multi Hyphenate. And also, My Broadway Memory is back on the air every Thursday, 7 p.m. live, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, we have some amazing, amazing people lined up for you. So grab your playbills and share those memories. And thank you for listening to Dear Multi Hyphenate. Bye. This podcast is produced by the Broadway Podcast Network. Make sure to find me online via Instagram at the Michael Kushner or at the Dressing Room Project, or on Twitter at mkushnerphoto, and visit me online via bpn.fm forward slash dear multi hyphenate. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.